Hello, Bettys. Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest today, I just wanted to let you know that we have such an epic list of guests coming up in March. We are talking about menopause. We're talking about autoimmunity. We're talking about muscle building. We're talking about recovery practices. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Even if you are listening to the podcast, you may not necessarily be subscribed. So you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much. Hey, Betties. Welcome to the Better Podcast. It's your host, Dr. Stephanie. It is geeky magic time where I step away from the interviews and just talk to you. It's just going to be me and you today. And these episodes, I'm going to bring you personal insights, frequently asked questions, topic du jour in a more condensed, quick, and actionable way. I go hard on the geek, wrap it up with sprinkles and magic for you to do and be better. All right. So we are back with our fasting series. And today we are going to discuss water fasting. So this is the most extreme type of fast because as the name suggests, it's just water. I am a huge fan of the BioOptimizers Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next level. I'm often asked like, well, what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for? So there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, taurate and orotate. They have various effects on the body. Bisglycinate, probably the most bioavailable and most absorbable. Malate, it's found naturally in fruits, helps with migraines. Chronic pain has been shown to help improve depression. Magnesium citrate uh, helps with arterial stiffness. It helps with maintaining a healthy weight. Magnesium chelate is important for muscle building, recovery and health. The list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such a great dosage as a great baseline for most women. I have found a beautiful medium of actually cycling my magnesium. So I actually will take one or two of these. So I'm either getting 500 milligrams or up to a gram of magnesium, depending on where I am in my cycle. So head on over to biooptimizers.com forward slash better and use code better for 10% off of any order, but make sure that the magnesium breakthrough is in your cart. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. In colder temperatures, we sweat more due to a higher metabolic demand of trying to maintain a core body temperature. We lose more fluids and electrolytes through our urine. We lose more water through respiration and just general breathing. And our skin dries out in the wintertime as well. We are a ski family, and over this winter, we have been using Elementee's Chocolate Medley. The chocolate chai is absolutely incredible with some boiling water, a splash of milk, and my kids love the chocolate mint with some hot water. This is our apres-ski. We cozy up with Element Hot After Hours on our cross-country trails. And for a limited time, you too can get the Element Tea Chocolate Medley and enjoy them hot as I have been doing with this exclusive insider bundle for you. When you buy three boxes of any flavor, it doesn't have to be the chocolate, it can be any of the flavors that they offer, you are going to get the fourth box 
free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate, Melody, you love the best. There is no calories with this type of fast. Now, I will say that I allow on a water fast all kinds of herbal teas. There is no calories in herbal teas. They taste amazing. And you're still getting some of the essence of the flower or of the plant that you're drinking. So I will often, when I am doing a pure water fast, I will mull over a dandelion tea or chamomile green tea, jasmine tea, oh, jasmine tea, my heart, and uh, and lavender as well. I also have a really beautiful rose tea. And I may have mentioned this in previous podcasts, but I, I don't know if it's my Lebanese heritage, but I am insanely attracted to anything rose. So in the flower essence and in the form of essential oils, and of course I drink rose petals uh, in tea as well. So I, I really like herbal teas with fasting in, in water fasting. So we want to always remember that whenever we are using a tool like fasting, it is a hormetic stress, right? But it's still a stress. So hormesis is the concept that it is a, it's like short-term pain for long-term gain, right? So you are exercise is a hormetic stress, temperature variation when you go into a hot sauna or you do cryotherapy, or as I like to call it, living, having all four seasons in Toronto, I can just go and do a polar bear dip or just go into my back backyard in my bikini in January. You can also get some free cryotherapy there as well. But when we think about stress, you know, you um, you want to be thinking about how we can reduce the stress response. So that's why I really like herbal teas. So when we think about um, some of the teas I just mentioned, they will have parasympathetic activation. So chamomile and lavender and rose in particular, very, very parasympathetic. And of course, you will also be able to, when you're drinking herbal teas, like the green teas, the jasmine, you're going to be getting sirtuin activating compounds like EGCG. So these are, we talked about why these are important because sirtuins are really important for DNA damage or repairing DNA damage. So something like EGCG in green tea or the resveratrol that you may find in dark berries. So drinking a blueberry tea um, might also confer the same benefits that sirtuin activating compound. So Herbal teas are okay on a water fast. I also are, I'm okay with black coffee on this fast as well, because like, let's be honest, I love to, I love to have a black shot of espresso every morning and the thermogenic effect, like the, the amount of energy that it takes to digest the the espresso is actually more than the calories that are contained in said coffee. So the only caveat I will make here is in general, not just when you're water fasting, but if you are having coffee, particularly when you are doing a water fast, if you can try to ensure that the coffee is free of toxins, mycotoxins in particular, which is a mold, uh, toxins that are um, secreted by mold. Okay. So 
While water fasting may be the most aggressive type of fast, it can be particularly useful in a few different ways that I want to outline here. So a couple different things we're going to talk about today, obesity. And I would define that loosely, loosely on your BMI. I know that my ladies with lots of muscles, we often get false positives with our BMI, right? Because our weight um, is heavier because muscles heavier than fat. Um, But we would be looking at your fat percentage um, or we'd be looking at your waist to hip ratio. So that might be, so we'd be looking for water fasting for someone who is obese. So a BMI of over 25. Um, Another category of person would be someone with regular menstruation. So specifically someone who is suspecting that they may have PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. And we're going to talk about some of the classifications and what that the constituents are in that syndrome. And then for some of us ladies who've done some genetic testing, if you know that you have a predisposition for making the super testosterone, dihydrotestosterone or DHT, or if you know that you have poor aromatization of estrogen. So we've actually talked about these in previous podcasts. So I'm going to link out to my conversation with Dr. Carrie Jones. And spoiler alert, I have a couple of geneticists that are coming on the podcast and we are going to do a geeky magic carpet ride with them. That's going to be in a couple of months, but I'm really excited to bring that to you as well. So for now, you can be you can listen to Dr. Carrie Jones on the metabolism of testosterone and estrogens if you want to get a little bit more detail because we do talk about some of the some of the genes and the enzymes that are involved in that. Okay, so let's go through some of the reasons why water fasting is going to be physiologically advantageous in in all of these scenarios. And then I want to talk about the application of it, right? So I want to empower you with the information and then give you the application so that we, we know why and we know what, and then we also know how. So The first one we talked about was obesity. So first and foremost, if you are clinically defined as obese uh, or excess adiposity, right? One of the best things that you are going to be able to do for yourself through fasting and and so hopefully some of the other tools that I've provided over the series, over the series in this podcast, like the Estima Diet, which I'll put a link in the show notes for you to check that out, is that as you reduce your adiposity and you become metabolically healthy, you are going to reduce your susceptibility to the big killers. Okay. So we want to think about cerebrovascular disease, which we've talked about on the pod with Dr. Dale Bredesen and others, cardiovascular disease, which we've talked about with Dr. Ethan Weiss um, and others, metabolically based diseases, type two diabetes, cancer, right? Obesity is the linchpin of these diseases, not and and what I mean by that is not that these diseases sort of like happen to coincide with obesity, but being obese has, you are activating some of these inflammatory pathways that are going to be chronically activated. And then in that chronically activated inflammatory environment, this is when these diseases can begin to uh, bring about into reality. Now, of course, the great news is all these big diseases, they don't happen overnight. It's not like you have, you know, Christmas dinner and then the next day you have CVD. Like you're not, you know, it happens over many, many, many decades. We talked about this with Alzheimer's with Dr. Dale Bredesen twice on the podcast that 
Alzheimer's is like a multi-decade disease. So I don't want you to worry about the one meal that you had this week and be like, damn it, there it is. I'm going to have a, you know, I'm going to have a stroke. No, that's not how it works. This is the cumulative effect of these small insults over time. Okay. And the great news, so that's one great piece of news, right? Is that it's not overnight. These diseases are not an overnight thing. So they, it's like a big ship. It takes a long time to get there. Um, And of course you can turn that around and using a tool like water fasting is going to help you begin to shed some of that excess adipose tissue and of course, when you're when you're engaging in a fast like water fasting, this means you're not eating any food. So your body, being the wily minx that she is, she's gonna use food that you have already in your body, stored food, right? So first, she's gonna use up her glycogen, which is usually in the main storage in the body is in the liver and then um, in the muscle. And then once that's used up, she's gonna go into your fat tissue. So she's gonna use your triglycerides um, as a as a substrate for energy. And that's actually all fat is, right? So fat is just store, like when we have excess adipose tissue, uh, and I actually like to use the word adipose tissue. I just caught myself there using the word fat. I Fat is a macronutrient. It is not a state of being. Okay. So it, ha, excess adipose tissue is a more accurate way to describe uh, when someone is overweight. And all that means is that you have stored food on the body, but Really, you know, when you think about your adipose tissue as stored energy or potential energy, that means that you have the potential to use it. So triglycerides are, as I said, storage form of adipose tissue. So as your body opens up these cells, it's going to break down the triglycerides. So the triglycerides is a storage form and then it moves into, or it'll break down into a glycerin backbone and then three fatty acids. So that's actually where the name tri, so three, triglyceride. So the glyceride is a glycerin backbone and then the tri is the is referring to the fatty acid. And then the glycerin can go on to actually form glucose, like your body can make its own glucose. Like how amazing, right? So through the process of gluconeogenesis, fancy word for the body can make glucose, um, glycerin can go through and provide the glucose that um, some organs in your body will need no matter what. Like your brain can never fully run on ketone bodies. It will always need a baseline of glucose, but your body can provide that from your adipose tissue. And then of course, um, as you may have guessed, fatty acids can be a substrate for energy. So that can be a fuel for most cells, um, for, um, the red blood cells, for the brain, you will need those fatty acids will be, uh, they will need to be turned into ketone bodies in order to be used as energy for those two specific, um, structures. And as I mentioned in a previous Geeky Magic, when we were talking on the Geeky Magic called fat loss, this is actually the kind of weight loss that I think we're all after, right? It's the adipose tissue loss. It's the fat loss where, you know, initially when you are doing a water fast, you may, you're going to lose water, right? We know the glycogen is stored with water. So as your glycogen stores are being used up, you're also dropping water weight. And, but then once you drop the water, as much much as you can be, we want to be tapping into your adipose tissue for that energy. And um, as I mentioned, you know, this is available to everyone, right? No matter what your BMI is, no matter what your waist to hip ratio is, we all have these inherited uh, 
pathways, these ancient pathways that developed for times when there wasn't food around, when there were famines so that we could survive. And that's part of the reason why you are listening to this podcast today is because of this pathway. So we want to honor it and we want to activate it from time to time as well, because if we're always in that glycolytic state or where when we are always getting our food source from... Um, exogenous sources through the diet, what, you know, no matter what the macronutrient composition of that is, we want to be able to activate our endogenous sources of, of substrates for energy from time to time so that we can keep that, you know, those cogs in the wheel, you know, nice and lubricated and, and, and moving, so to speak. So, um, so that is uh, my little spiel on um, on obesity, but of course, you know, physiologically, metabolically, the other benefit obviously is going to be reducing insulin and the activation of mTOR. So mTOR, um, this is the mammalian target of rapamycin. This is a growth pathway. It's an anabolic growth pa- pathway, and. If fat loss or adipose tissue uh, loss is the goal, right, part of your strategy should be shutting down this anabolic or this growth pathway. And of course, there are always exceptions to this rule as there is, you know, with everything in life, there's a rule and then there's an exception. And I am the type of person that likes to break those. So uh, of course, uh, you know, for me, the only cohorts that should have this pathway activated over a long Delta T are going to be pregnant women and children. These, and, and by children, I should say, up to the age of 25. That is a child in my view, because that's when we reach full maturation of the brain. The frontal lobe is finally fully online. The musculoskeletal system, we have our bones. They are uh, about the, the density and the length that they are going to be muscles, all the, all that. So really uh, important for us to be thinking about how we can shut down these anabolic pathways because more, you know, after 25, the growth that we are going to experience is not going to be vertical. It's going to be horizontal. So we want to be thinking about how we can be at least from time to time shutting that down. I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near-infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster, and of course, stress reduction. With the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna, it's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount. That is sunlighten, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better at checkout. So the second population where water fasting is going to be useful is with women with irregular menstruation patterns, or if you are someone who is suspecting that you might have PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. And of course, one of the pro- whenever I give a talk about tracking your cycle or 
using your menstrual cycle to define how you eat and how you train and how you supplement, which is, I go into like crazy detail with this in my upcoming book, which um, I'm almost ready to talk about. I just have to get some of the final things from my editor and then I am going to be telling you all about it, Betty. But one of the points that always gets brought up to me when I talk about living in sync with your cadence as a woman, your cyclicity as a woman invariably someone in the room is going to say, well, like, I don't know when I'm ovulating doc. Like, I don't know when I'm in week three or four because I don't have a regular period. And of course my, I I totally get that. I totally get it. Right. And, you know, with PCOS, often if, if a woman does have PCOS, it's going to coincide with obesity. So all the points I was just talking about, about decreasing insulin and, you know, the, and the mTOR pathway is going to apply here. Um, But if you have PCOS and you are obese, and those are two like not completely overlapping circles. I want to talk about uh, that in just a moment. But for the most part, most a large majority, I'll say, a large majority of women who have PCOS are also obese. So there is some overlap here. And obesity is associated for these women with excess androgens. It's it it it's a worsening of all of the primary diagnostic features of PCOS. So we see an increase in masculinization uh, of their features. So we will see more hair um, on their chin or on their chest or in their cheek, you know, kind of along the beard line, right? Or a loss of hair, you know, on the temples um, of the head. Um, we will see more uh, or a worsening rather of, menstru- of, of these menstrual difficulties. So amenorrhea or when you will have a period sometimes, or you can tell when you, you know, you may have one cycle where you're 29 days and then you don't go again for another 42, right? So you are you are skipping um, menstrual cycles. And when you do get your period, it's very difficult. There's lots of cramping, lots of heavy bleeding. And then of course, ovarian cysts, right? So when you are obese, you are also going to increase the um, the number of ovarian cysts, right? And in women with PCOS, the risk of type 2 diabetes uh, and prediabetes increases as your body weight increases, right? So um, and when, when we think about obesity and PCOS, so I mentioned before that it's like not two completely overlapping circles on a Venn diagram, right? You can be, you can also not be obese and have irregular periods. But as far as I'm aware, when we kind of talk about obesity and PCOS, this relationship is unidirectional, meaning that if you have PCOS, that does not create obesity. And that actually explains why you can have some women of a normal weight with PCOS. But obesity, absolutely does worsen it. And high androgens, you know, and part of a way to look at this, because you can say, well, which, you know, which came first, doc? Is it the chicken or the egg? But when you have high androgens, that that's going to affect how you distribute your fat, your adipose tissue. It, but it's not going to affect your overall amount of fat, right? But PCOS, or rather obesity, does affect the overall amount of adiposity that a person has. So high testosterone is going to promote um, more visceral 
uh, obesity. So there's um, the adipose tissue is distributed primarily in and around the tummy and of course in and around the abdominal organs. And of course, this is a this is of particular concern because visceral obesity is a far greater risk factor for metabolic derangement and some of the other diseases that we were talking about. So cardiovascular disease, cerebrovascular disease, cancer, etc. Um, and this, you know, when you think about, you know, I used to, I used to have um an uncle who had such a big belly. So this is like the definition of central obesity. Like we used to, you know, when we were little, of course we would never say it to him because he would kill us, but <laughs> we would say like, oh my God, he looks like he has a baby. You know, he looks like he's pregnant. And like you would punch his stomach and it was hard as a rock. So um, this is, this is for a woman, this is going to create more of that like apple, um, body shape. So this what that what that what that means is that's going to negatively affect your waist to hip ratio. In effect what I'm saying here is it's the opposite of an hourglass figure that I have spoken about and I want to help you achieve because it is the hourglass figure for women that confers the most metabolic benefits, right? So when you have an hourglass figure that means that your waist is smaller than your hips in an apple body uh, or an apple figure, your waist is going to be larger than your hips. And then you are, of course, that is very likely that your central obesity, you know, that central visceral obesity is going to be um, augmented. Um, and then of course, like longevity, right? So metabolic and longevity standpoint, hourglass figure wins all day, every day. Um, you know, irrespective of the vanity side of things, right? Like we don't even, even though the vanity side is fun and we want to be able to fit into dresses and not be tugging on, you know, like all those things, but just from a health perspective, as closely as we can, and this is like size agnostic. I don't care if you're a size two or you're a size 12 or whatever, you know, it, it's really the, it's your proportions that are important. Okay. So when, so kind of getting back to this obesity and PCOS thing. So what you can say that you know, obesity causes PCOS. The other thing doesn't, like PCOS doesn't really cause obesity, but both of those things, so PCOS and obesity, also they have like a cousin <laughs> they're both related to, which is insulin dysregulation, okay? So when we have hyperinsulinemia, this is, you know, when we kind of look at PCOS and obesity, if you were to imagine two circles, the overlapping, you know, the cousin that they're both related to is hyperinsulinemia. And this is important because when we think about the impact that insulin has on our sex hormones, it's actually quite profound. So when we, so let me just kind of geek out with you for a minute here. So um, insulin impacts something called sex hormone binding globulin, SHBG, sex hormone binding globulin. So SHBG, like the name suggests, binds up sex hormones. So um and this is of particular importance when we're talking about PCOS and, and testosterone, because PCOS is essentially a masculinization or a testosteroneization of the female body, right? Under excess testosterone influence. So insulin and SHBG, they have an inverse relationship with each other. So as insulin is going to go up, SHBG, sex hormone binding globulin, is going to go down. And as such, when your SHBG, the binding globulin goes down, you can't bind your sex hormones. So you're not going to be able to bind as much T, as much testosterone. 
And of course, when you have more unbound free testosterone, she's going to be able to exert all of her detrimental effects that we've been speaking about, right? The central obesity, it's a regular menstrual cycle, lack of ovulation, the development of ovarian cysts, all these things um, that is going to propagate the problem. So when we water fast, then we are not taking in any carbohydrates or proteins or fat for that matter, our insulin levels drop. So now that you know that there's an inverse relationship with insulin and HSB, H, oh my God, what was I saying? SHBG. I think I was saying the name of a bank. I think I was saying HSBC. No, SHBG, sex hormone blinding globulin. You will, so if you have insulin is lower, SHBG is going to be higher, right? So you will correctly predict because they have an inverse relationship during a water fast, insulin levels drop. So your SHBG levels are going to increase. And that means they are going to bind up. They're going to sop up like a sponge, all that excess testosterone. And that is going to stop that excess uh, testosteroneization. Okay. That uh, those effects on the, on the female body. And then, of course, when you do this regularly, be it on a weekly basis or there's a dedicated multi-day fast on a regular cadence, on a regular rhythm, you are going to be helping to reverse some of these effects. And, you know, this is this is my hunch. Um, and I will start talking a little bit more about my clinical hunches uh, in my geeky magics as I continue to find my voice here. But my hunch here is that as a population male or female, we are more stressed than we ever have been. I mean, this year, like this has been a hot minute this year, you know, exposed to more chemicals than we ever have been. Um, We eat more processed foods. We are more sedentary. Like, you know, there's a thing now called Zoom fatigue, right? And what I am seeing, at least in my, in my work, with women is that we are seeing this, our beautiful women, these are beautiful females of the human race. We're seeing this testosteroneization of our beautiful females. And conversely, we are seeing the estrogenization of our beautiful men. And I don't want to get all handmaid's taily on us, on you, but we want to be thinking about fertility. Um, we talked about this with Dr. Fruz Demery around fertility as a marker for health. And, you know, PCOS is the most common hormonal disorder in women. And when we begin to slowly step away from our fertility through some of these modern, you know, I would say deleterious practices, right? So we are under, um, you know, chemical uh, bombardment. We're bathing ourselves in Wi-Fi all day long. We are staying up late. We wear sunglasses during the day, but we're on our devices at night. You know, you are completely disrupting the natural rhythm and cadence and flow and ebb and flow of our biology. And we want to we want to preserve our fertility, right? So this is um this is why I wanted to talk about uh, water fasting, particularly in these populations where we have amenorrhea, where we have irregular periods, where we are, if you are someone who knows that you have a tendency towards excess tea or poor aromatization of testosterone to estrogen, water fasting can be a really useful tool for you. So 
Um, if you have a lot of weight to lose, if you're obese or you have severe PCOS or fertility is a concern for you, I would be looking at um, at least doing, at least working up with starting with a daily time-restricted eating protocol. And I actually, I wrote an article um, that I will make sure that I link to in the show notes. It was basically a journey for, if you've never done a fast before, it's like, let's start you off with 12 hours and then let's actually move you up to a 24-hour fast. And we do this over the course of, I think it's 12 weeks. I'll make sure that that article, um, I published it on Medium, um, is in the show notes. So safely master that increase of fasting tolerance. And then once you do that, you can begin jumping into longer fasts. Like maybe instead of a 24, you, you know, tuck into a 36 hour fast or even a 48 hour fast. Right. And these can be one-offs. Like you can do that once a week. I actually really like to do a fast every day on Monday. So I will do like, we have a, you know, the, just the rhythm of our family. We usually have like a bigger Sunday night dinner. And then I'm usually pretty full on Monday. So I will usually do a 24 hour fast every Monday. And if you have a lot of weight to lose, right, you might also look at doing a longer fast on a higher frequency. So maybe it's once a month that you try to do a, you know, a longer than a 48 hour fast. So maybe you want to try a three day or a 72 hour fast and see what that feels like. Right. And obviously you know, why is this to do this under the guise of your primary healthcare provider? So medical doctors are PCPs, chiropractors are PCPs, naturopathic doctors are PCPs. So you want to go to your primary healthcare provider and do this under their, uh, you know, they can, so they can monitor you and they can coach you along with this. And they can also monitor your progress, maybe coach you on, maybe you need to do a shorter one, longer one, all those things. Um, so I would be thinking about ways that you can increase and, and on a more frequent basis doing a longer fast. That's going to help bring your adiposity down and it's going to help correct the PCOS as well. And when you do that, you have manipulated now a few of the levers of fasting that I like to talk about, right? So we have manipulated, like we've been talking about this little mini series that I'm doing in Geeky Magic, the types of fasts, right? So we talked today about water fasting and some of the physiological benefits of that. We talked about the length of fasting. So working up from like a 12-12 to a 24 or 36 or even a longer 72-hour fast. And even we've we've pulled the lever of frequency, right? So we've also pulled the frequency lever of fasting with talking about weekly uh, fasts or monthly rituals that you can begin to adopt. And I should also just wrap this up in a bow by saying that you don't actually need to be obese or to have PCOS to be considering a water fast. I actually myself have no, you know, hormonal or metabolic issues that I'm currently trying to heal, but I, I like to, as I mentioned, I like to do a 24 hour fast once a week. Um, and as a woman with my body fat percentage and the goals that I'm trying to achieve. So my, my goals are body composition. I'm trying, I'm in a muscle building phase right now. And I know that that might seem a little contra, um, a little contraindicated, but we're going to, we're going to go through in the, in the coming geeky magics, I'm going to be talking a lot about, um, muscle hypertrophy and how women, we can be putting on more muscle, but we can still be utilizing some of these different tools that are available to us, like a female centric ketogenic diet, like the Estima diet, like water fasting that we've outlined today and still put on muscle baby. So you can still be reaping all the benefits in all areas of your life. And 
you know, a water fast, like for example, I don't, I don't need to do, uh, you know, a 72 hour fast or a 96 hour fast because I have found that when, I, well, I've done 72 hour fast. I, I should say it's when I go over 72 hours that I start to notice that the, the following months, uh, two to three months, my menstrual cycle is like, she's not happy with me. She's telling me that she didn't really like that fast, but that's my individuality as well. And in sharing this, my hope is that you can take some of these pieces and say, okay, like what, what water fasting dress do I want to, do I want to try on today? Do I want to try like a 24 hour fast once a week, like Dr. S does? Do I want to do like a 72 hour, like once a quarter, maybe I want to try it once a month. Like there are so many different dresses that you can try on and see which one you like. And the point here is not to do, to do something that you are going to hate and never come back to. Humans are creatures of habit. So if you can create something that just stresses you just a little bit, just a little squeak, and then you can come back to it because it wasn't that painful, right? And it was, and it's giving you some of the benefits that you're after. Then this is like, it's the cumulative effect of these practices over time that are going to reap the most benefits. So once again, Bettys, it's always so wonderful to spend time with you. I hope you found this useful and we will see you next week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship formed, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.